Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. You could be a lot of different places, but you chose to be right here on Stevens Creek Road. I'd like to welcome all those at our South Campus. Uh, so glad to have you here. I was out at South Campus yesterday looking at the construction, and I'm telling you, it's going to be beautiful. We'll have our dedication in about four weeks from now. And so those, uh, the folks at our South Campus, thanks so much for putting up with all the construction dust, all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, you know it's gonna be beautiful and I can't wait for everybody to see it. Uh, one more thing, I'd like to welcome all those watching online in our online campus. And I appreciate the cards and, uh, that uh, folks send in. Here's one that we received a few weeks ago. It says that uh, this couple I've never met before, they're uh, Steve and Deb, and they're, they live in Ohio. And they said, we started watching Stevens Creek uh, during COVID. Said, I am immune compromised and then not been able to go to church. And uh, it's been a blessing. The messages and the ministry has really encouraged us along the way. And so that's just one story from Steve and Deb. And and I just want to say thanks so much for uh, making that possible. And uh, what a, a great opportunity that we have here. Well, if you've been around Stevens Creek very much, you know that I like to start with something funny. And so did you hear about the 85-year-old guy? No, let me pause for a second, though. If a lot of my jokes are about uh, older folks, it's because I spend a lot of time at the uh, assisted living and the nursing homes, okay? That's my, my season in life, okay? And so did you hear about the 85-year-old guy that went out fishing? And as he was fishing, he heard this voice that said, pick me up, pick me up. And he looked around and didn't see anything, continued to fish. And then he said, pick me up. And he looked down and there was a frog. He said, The frog said, pick me up and kiss me and I'll turn into a beautiful bride. He just kind of ignored it. He said, pick me up. So he reached down, he picked him up and put him in his pocket. He said, hey, I said, if you kiss me, I will turn into a beautiful bride. He said, huh, at my age, I would rather have a talking frog. Well, today we're continuing our series, Let's Rebuild, and this series is based on an incredible story in the Old Testament by a very ordinary guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah heard that the walls in Jerusalem had been broken down, and uh, he really, it unnerved him, and he felt like somebody's got to do something about, about that. You know, you can tell a lot about a person by what makes a man or a woman um, sit down and weep. And last week we, we saw that in Nehemiah when he heard that the walls of Jerusalem were broken down. The Bible said he sat down and he wept over that. Let's be practical. When you look at your life, is there something that bothers you so much that you would sit down and, and maybe you'd cry over it? Or maybe when you see something in the world, it just really bothers you. It could be an injustice taking place. It may be... Um, a need of something, maybe a problem, and you see that problem and you, you think to yourself, somebody needs to do something about that. It might be a need that you see. It may be a group of people that are hurting. It may be some sort of injustice, but there is something in your life that disturbs you. 
something that upsets you, something that moves you in a significant way. It's a divine burden. And you know it because you feel it. The burden you bear often reveals the calling that you'll embrace. Hear me. The burden that you bear often reveals the calling that you will embrace. In other words, the very thing that upsets you will often drive you or compel you uh, in some sort of effort or some sort of ministry to make a difference in somebody else's life. That burden, that prompting, that urgency. For example, when Patty and I started Stevens Creek Church over 33 years ago, we had this burden to create a church where people would be welcome from all parts of the community that you could come and to experience life in Jesus' name. Now, we had no idea that it would turn out like this. We had no idea in those days, it was just 24 people in a barred living room. We had no idea that we would have a property here on Stevens Creek Road. We had no idea that we would have a property on Peach Orchard Road. We had no idea then that we would have a dream center that last year served around 20,000 under-resourced people in our community. It's amazing. And we provide food, we provide clothing, clothing, we provide some medical assistance, all because of your support. Now, just being real practical, some of you are like, what can... That's kind of neat. What can I do? Well, you can do something this afternoon. It's rainy. It's cold. Go home and clean out your closet and find those clothes that you would be proud for somebody else to wear. Okay? I bet you've got some. Um, And then you can bag them up and you can drop them off at entry two or in the big blue container if it's not overflowing. Or you can drop it off at the Dream Center on Peach Orchard Road. These are just little things that we can do to help make our world just a little bit better. But, But let me say this. When we first started this, we had no idea that we would have a Dream Center. Years ago, when we launched Secure Give, we had no idea that there would be over a million people in America that use our app Uh, to donate to uh, churches and nonprofits across the world. No idea. All I knew is that uh, at Stevens Creek, back in those days, some 15, 16, 17 years ago, I was seeing the money system change, and I wondered, what are we going to do because people are not carrying cash or a checkbook, but they're living with a debit card? And I thought, somebody's got to do something about that. I looked for nine months looking for somebody to do something about that. And and then on June the 4th, 2007, Uh, six at 545 in the morning, God woke me up and said, I've called you to do something about it. Some of you are going to receive a wake up call and that God's going to wake you up and he's going to speak to you and said, you know what? You've been looking for somebody to do something about this particular issue. And guess what? It's you. God is going to stir your heart. God is going to prompt you. God is going to nudge you. Maybe early in the morning, maybe late at night, maybe as you're on your way to lunch. But the words that are going to be spoken today are going to speak directly to you, and it's going to be a call of action to you. When Nehemiah heard that the wall was broken down, um, he knew in his spirit somebody needs to do something. Because in ancient times, when a city's wall were broken down, it would put them at risk. 
That means that robbers and thieves could break in uh, in the cover of darkness and, and steal from them. It means that all sorts of evil could happen when they least expected it. They would be vulnerable. So when Nehemiah's brother came to Persia and told them that the walls had not been rebuilt, Nehemiah knew that he had to do something. Here's some background of the story in case you missed it last week. In 587, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was a very evil king, king, uh, invaded Jerusalem and destroyed the city and destroyed their culture and destroyed um, uh, the temple there and their values. And, And King Nebuchadnezzar took the Jews into captivity. Now, decades later, another country came in and and invaded them and set the Jewish people free and said, you can go back to your homeland. Well, they all went back to their homeland, but they found out their, their homeland was destroyed. They didn't have any economic structures. They didn't have any jobs. They didn't have any government. They didn't have leadership. They didn't have any hope. These early travelers tried um, to rebuild their community. They tried and they tried, but they couldn't get anything going. And then Nehemiah, who was working for the king of Persia, his brother came to visit him and said, how's everything going back home? Now, you've got to understand, Nehemiah was not a pastor. He's not a prophet. He's not a king. He was not a contractor at all. He was a cupbearer for the king. He was a butler. He worked in the kitchen. So he didn't have the skills to do anything like this, but he was just an ordinary guy. But when he heard this, he said, I've got to do something. Could it be that some of you who are listening to me, you may not have a passion. I mean, you may not have a position. You may not have resources, but you're an ordinary person and you see a situation and you think somebody needs to do something about this. Well, over the next few minutes, I believe that every one of us can come to the place in our lives where, where we can do something to, um, by embracing four principles from the life of Nehemiah. Four principles from his story that I believe if we'll embrace, it will help our story and it help us to make a difference in the world that we live. It'll help us do a good work. Well, here's the first thing we see. We're going to get real practical here. We're going to ask uh, the Spirit of God to empower us to do this good work in our community and in our world. The very first thing we need to do is we're going to seek God faithfully. We're going to seek God faithfully. That problem, that situation, that challenge you have, it is something to pray about. Stop worrying about it and start praying about it. Nehemiah sought the Lord. For four months, he prayed and he fasted and he sought the Lord over this situation. And he's saying, God, lead my steps. God, show me what I'm supposed to do. I pray that often. God, open the doors that you want me to walk through. And God, please, please close those doors you want me to stay away from. Make it evident. And that's what Nehemiah was doing at this time. And it's probably really tricky to describe what he must have been feeling. Because you see, if he approached the king, that king had an opportunity. If, 
If he burdened the king, his job, Nehemiah's job, was to lighten the burdens. But if he brought a burden to the king, he could put his own uh, life at risk. So he's in a very difficult place. Last week, we looked at chapter 1. Today, we're going to focus on chapter 2 of the book of Nehemiah. Here's chapter 2. We're going to look at the entire chapter. Here's the first verse. He said, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him... Nehemiah was the cupbearer, so he had to taste it so to make sure the king wouldn't be poisoned. He said, I took the wine and I gave it to the king and I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, you know, why does your face, why does your face look so sad when, when it's apparent that you're not sick and you're not ill here? This can be nothing but the sadness of your heart. Nehemiah said, I was so much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried, that city lies in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Notice those words. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah wasn't taking a, a, a four-day prayer retreat right here. He had already done that. For four months, he had prayed over this. But in this moment, he is saying, okay, God, it's real. Give me the words to say. God, give me wisdom. Give me insight. Uh, God, speak to me. God, direct my steps. Show me what I am supposed to do. Sometimes it is the simple prayers that we pray that make the most difference. Sometimes it's those simple prayers, maybe even some two-word prayers along the way. I can't tell you how many times I prayed a two-word prayer and my life have been changed. Oh God, heal me. God, save me. God, forgive me. Those two-word prayers... Those simple prayers. That's what Nehemiah is doing here. He's praying a simple prayer. He said, then I, I pray to the God of heaven. God, help me in this. And so we need to seek God faithfully. Second thing is, we need to define the vision clearly. We need to define the vision clearly. You see, for most people, their, their problem is not a lack of caring. They care deeply, but for most people, it's a lack of clarity. It's a lack of clarity. And so just very practically, what are you called to do? What do you want to do? Where are you headed? Nehemiah was crystal clear about his vision. Next verse, verse five. And I answered the king, if, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Nehemiah had absolute clarity. In one sentence, he said, please let me go to Judah so that I can rebuild the walls around the city of Jerusalem. He defined his vision clearly. Let me say, this is what Nehemiah didn't do. Nehemiah didn't get in there and say, well, king said, you know, what, what do you want me to do? 
Okay, just what do you want? I mean, he didn't get in there and, and him all around and said, well, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this for some, quite some time. You know, my Aunt Martha over there in Jerusalem, you know, she's got three kids and, and Mickey's one of their kids. And Mickey, uh, he sent me this article about what's going on in the city and it's really bad. It had some big words in it. I had to look it up on Wikipedia to understand it, King. But, but you know what I mean? And, 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 and went on and on and on. He didn't do that. See, so many times we talk so much around a situation, we never really define where we're going. Nehemiah didn't ramble. He was very clear. Some of us struggle with clarity. I want to encourage you to be clear. So what do you want to do? What's God calling you to do? You say, well, I want to help children. Well, okay, good. Where do you want to help children? Do you want to be a part of our children's ministry? We, we reach hundreds of uh, children and, and students every week. Is that what you want to do? Well, I want to help maybe the under-resourced. Well, do you want to work at our Dream Center? Do you want to help under-resourced kids there? You know, what is it? Do you want to work in the city of Augusta? Is, is this the place for you? How about, or is it the state of Georgia? Or is it the state of South Carolina? Hey, are you envisioning helping children in America? Or do you see yourself going around the world to a third world country? Do you see what we're doing here? We're trying to bring clarity. The bottom line is, if you can't define it, you cannot do it. If you cannot define it, you cannot do it. If God is calling you to do something, if you see something out there and you have this thought, somebody needs to do something about this. You need to define it. If you can't define it, you can't do it. Nehemiah was clear. He said, send me to Judah so I can rebuild the walls. In one sentence, what is God prompting you to do? Be clear. In one sentence, what is God prompting you to do? He said, well, God is prompting me to, to get out of debt by the year 2022, except my mortgage. Okay, that's a realistic prompting, and that's a definable um, goal there. Okay, uh, that's good. Or maybe God is uh, prompting me to have a personal conversation about my faith to everybody in my class before I graduate. Okay. That's a prompting. Somebody needs to do that. Or God is prompting me uh, to give a total of $100,000 to Stevens Creek Church by the time I am 40 years old. What is God prompting you to do? In a sentence. You need to be able to write it down in a sentence of what you're going to do. One sentence. Work on it. Get it down. For instance, at Stevens Creek Church... Here's our one sentence. We want to help people take their next steps toward God. When you look at everything that we do across this community and around our ministries, it boils down to that. You hear it all the time. We're about next steps. We want to help people take their next steps toward God. Well, how are you going to do that? We're going to love God. We're going to love people. And we are going to serve the world. It's about clarity. You've got, in a sentence, you've got to determine what God's calling you to do and write it down. 
Read Habakkuk chapter two. Write it down and make it plain on the tablets. It says so that uh, a herald can read it and run with it. Make it clear. Make it plain. Don't be confusing. Confusing. Make it simple. I said there's four things. Okay. Sometimes my fingers don't work good. There's four things. This is number three. Okay. We're going to make plans carefully. Okay, if we're going to change the world, we're going to do a good work. We're going to make a difference. It's going to be, it's going to flow out of our plans. We're going to make plans carefully. The problem is a goal without a plan is just a wish. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Some of you are just wishing. Oh, I wish things would get better. I wish things would get better. I mean, my life is really hurting. Well, what kind of plan have you made to get things better? Think about that. You've got to make plans carefully. Make a plan. Get organized. For some, the most spiritual thing that you can do this afternoon is to sit down and try to organize your life. To get rid of some things and to, um, and to streamline your focus. Get organized. That could be the most spiritual thing. You see, God is an organized God. I mean, we have seven days in a week, right? We don't have six days some weeks and eight days other weeks. God is a God of order. And so we start to look at God and God is a God of order. God made a plan. And I believe that he wants you and I to make plans. Nehemiah developed a plan. He assessed the situation. He got permission. He raised support. He gathered the right people and he completed the task. You'll never accomplish your dreams by wanting them bad enough. You can want something all day long, but you're not going to accomplish that until you sit down and you make a plan for that. Developing a plan is a call to action. Developing a plan is a call to action. It's a call to take a step, to do something. Nehemiah saw a need, and then he put together a plan to meet that need. We're going through... Um, Chapter two of Nehemiah, this is verse eight. And then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked, well, how long will your journey take, Nehemiah? And when are you gonna get back? He said, it pleased the king to send me, notice this, so I set a time. So I set a time, I made a plan. He was very clear. He was very specific with the king and he set a time. Now watch this, next verse. He said, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me with safe uh, conduct until I, res I arrive in Judah. In other words, can you send me some protection along the way? Write, those, write some letters for me, king, to those people in charge. And he goes on, verse eight. And may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal park, so that he'll give me the timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I'm gonna occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me. Notice that. God gave him favor with the king. The gracious hand of God was on me. Those are key words for this chapter. The king granted my request because of the favor of God. Let me say this. 
I believe the favor of the Lord is on you. The gracious hand of God is on your life. What did Nehemiah do? He asked for protection and then he asked for provision. He was very clear. I need, I need to be protected when I travel and I need provision to build. And then he gave credit to God because of the gracious hand of God, God allowed that. And so now God's hand is on you and it's time for you to create a plan. So what is your plan gonna look like? Well, let me say this. You don't have to have a perfect plan. So many times people work so hard to get every I dotted and every T crossed. If you wait until you have a perfect plan, you're gonna sit on the sidelines way too long and you're gonna miss the moment. For everything and every opportunity, there's a moment, there's a season, there's a season for everything and that you have to develop that plan and you need to embrace that. And too many times we sit on the sidelines trying to dot every I and cross every two, uh, every T, and, and the season passes us, somebody else steps up and accomplishes the task because somebody's got to do it. Well, why not you? I would say take a good plan and put some passion behind it and you'll accomplish more than having the perfect plan by sitting on the sidelines waiting for it to be perfect. He said, well, I don't know what to do. I would just say to you, do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Do what you know to do. What's the next right thing? You want to start a business? You want to start a ministry? What's the next right thing? Have a conversation with somebody who has done what you want to do. Have a conversation with that person. And let me say this. When you go have a conversation, don't talk a lot. I mean, you have a few moments with somebody who has done what you want to do. How about just sit there and listen to what they have to say? If you have an overabundance with words, call a friend and unload on them. But you have these few moments with that person that you're going to talk to about your dream, about that vision, that business. Give me some insight. Well, listen to what, listen to the insight. Don't do all the talking. You have an idea? Do something about it. Take an online class. Read a book about it. Listen to a podcast. There are resources out there to help you to really clarify the vision and help you to develop the plan. Uh, Hire a business coach. You need to see God faithfully. You need to find the vision, make a plan. Here's the fourth one. We are going to inspire people passionately. We're going to inspire people. Nehemiah inspired the people with his passion. He made his way to Jerusalem. He arrived in Jerusalem in the cover of darkness. And he got on his his donkey and he, he rode around the city to see it for himself. And you know what he discovered? That it was worse than he thought. It was worse than he thought. He knew he had heard that it was bad. He heard that that they needed help, but it was much worse than he imagined. Let me say this. He made it a point. He needed to see it for himself. There's some of you, you've been relying on other people to describe the situation to you. You need to go see it for yourself. 
You've already talked to this person and you have that person's idea about the problem. You've talked to this person over here and you know what this person thinks about this problem and you're trying to take their ideas and kind of meld them together. And um, look, it is time for you to get on uh, the path and go see it for yourself. This may be dealing with a parental issue. It could be dealing with your kids. Instead of expecting the school system to do something about it and and expecting somebody else, why don't you go see it for yourself? There's nothing like that. You get to see, and that's what Nehemiah did. He rode around and he saw this, and it was worse than he thought. But he also understood the gracious hand of God was on his life, and he thought, okay, with God's help, we can do this. I can't do this on my own, but there is a power that's greater than myself. I have the gracious hand of God on me. I think we can do it. Drop down to verse 12, uh, verse 17. And what he did here, he gathered, Nehemiah rode around the city to see it. Then he gathered a group of people, a small group of people. It is so important to have a small group. You're not in a small group. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you live in another state like the the story I read earlier. We have virtual small groups where you can join. So you need to go to our website and join a small group. If you're on our South Campus, go out in the lobby, see Pastor Branton there, uh, here, go see Pastor JT, and they'll help get you connected to a a small group. We've got in-person small groups, and then we have virtual small groups according to what you need. And this commercial was sponsored by the small group network at Stevens Creek Church. (laughs) Okay, back to verse 17. Uh, Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in, Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been uh, burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we'll no longer live in disgrace. Now look at the next verse. I also told them, this is this small group of people, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said, said to me. Nehemiah had acknowledged the situation was worse than he thought. This place is, it's grave. He says, we are in trouble, but we can do this. We can get through this. And he's inspiring the people of that small group with his passion, but not only his passion, but with God's provision. He said, God's hand is on us. We can do this with his help. And I am sure that there were naysayers in the group. I'm, I'm sure said, oh, you just came down from Persia. Said, we've been here for years and we've tried to do it and we can't get it off. You can't do this. Look, it seems like we live in a world that have, we have negative people on every side. And it, it seems like that there are negative people that are just waiting to tell you why you cannot do what you feel like you want to do, why you cannot do what, what uh, God has prompted you to do. They're just negative. And if we're not careful, we'll allow the negative people that you'll run into this week to talk you out of what God is prompting you to do. I'm telling you, we have been inundated with negativity. You turn on the news tomorrow, 80% of their conversation on the news tomorrow will be negative, and only 20% will be positive. 
80% of the, uh, what you're going to hear tomorrow, 80% about how big the problems are. And they're creating this fear in you. Their job is to create fear in you. Because they know that if you're afraid and you're fearful, that you're going to watch more television and that you're going to be able to sell more advertising. Listen to the news tomorrow. Here's what you're gonna hear. Oh, the virus is bad. People are dying. The economy is tanking. Oh my goodness, did you hear about Robinwood? Did you hear about the stock market? Oh, it's, uh, it's in chaos. People are mean. And, and our leaders, and especially that former leader, man, they've given us all kind of problems. Over and over, you're gonna hear that negative word. And that negative word is to, is to put fear on you and in you and to cover you. And I'm telling you, when you allow the negativity of this world to, to invade your life, fear wins. And we're here to determine that fear is not going to win. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Amen. You need to align yourself with God's word and let God's word give you the confidence that you can stand there knowing that the gracious hand of God is on my life, that I'm not walking in my own strength, but I'm walking in his strength. I'm not walking in my own power, but I'm walking in his power. The gracious hand of God. When you understand that, then you'll be like Nehemiah. You'll be able to rise up and you'll be able to start doing the work that God has called you to do. You'll be able to get through this problem, get through this difficulty, get through this issue. You start to declare, oh, the gracious hand of God is on my life. How do you get out of debt? The gracious hand of God is on my life. How are you going to get well? The gracious hand of God is on my life. How are you going to grow your business? The gracious hand of God is on my life. How are you going to be set free from your addiction? The gracious hand of God is on my life. How are you going to accomplish your dreams? The gracious hand of God is on my life. Amen. Stop dwelling on everything that you do not have. Stop dwelling on the mistakes that you've made. Stop discounting yourself and saying, oh, somebody else, oh, they have more talent, they have more ability. Stop disqualifying yourself. You're looking at your situation in the natural you're looking at what it is on paper, but there is something that cannot be measured, something that goes beyond your talent, something that goes beyond your education, something that goes beyond your ability. It is the gracious hand of God on your life. And so quit telling yourself that the wall is too big. Quit telling yourself the problem will never be solved. Remember, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Get in agreement with God. Don't allow all of these negative, self-defeating thoughts to steal your future. 
Just start thanking him. God, I thank you that the gracious hand, your gracious hand is on my life. I thank you, Father, that I have your spirit. I thank you that I have your favor. I thank you that you have given me an advantage. I thank you, God, that I have an edge, that other people may not see it. They may not understand it, but but down deep inside, uh, I have your power in me. Start confessing that and declaring that in Jesus' name. Let's close it out. Last verse. Nehemiah, look what he did. He said, I told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Let us start. They saw the passion that Nehemiah had and the confidence that God's hand was on them. And they took that step and they said, look, we can do this. We may be small in number, but let us start rebuilding. And that's the word for you today. It's time for you to start rebuilding. It's time for you to start rebuilding. You've gotta rebuild your life. Maybe you've got to work to rebuild the business that you're involved in. We've got to rebuild our communities. We've got to rebuild our nation. It has been a difficult season that we have gone through. But with God's help, we can get through what we have gone through. We can do this. We can do this. God has a plan for you. And you've got to come to the place where you open up your, your heart to him and say, God, lead me and guide me. Show me my next step. I want to pray over you today, okay? And I just want you to receive what God has for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this congregation. I pray over our South Campus. I pray over those watching online. I pray, Father, that the gracious hand, your gracious hand would rest upon this church Father, for those people that are inundated with fear, I pray in the name of Jesus that the power of fear would be broken over your life. There are those of you that are so fearful that, you're, that you cannot do anything. You're immobilized. It is, feels like you are locked away in prison. I pray in the name of Jesus that the prison doors that are holding you captive would be broken open in Jesus' name. God has not given you the spirit of fear, so you need to push back the darkness in Jesus' name. You need to declare that no weapon formed against you will prosper and all those that rise up against you will fall. You need to declare the name of Jesus over your household. Don't allow a fear of what might happen keep you from living the life that God has for you. So today, Lord, we call on you to give us strength, to give us confidence, and we receive your power. We receive what you have for us. Say that, God, I receive what you have for me. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, 
please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.